Welcome to So You Think That Was Good, Do You? A podcast where we take a look back at the films from your childhood and question the absurdity of their universes. My name is Evan, and this week is a very special event. Not only am I joined by Pantile for the fourth episode in a row, we're also joined by the two other masterminds behind the new label, Earthworger. Anne Avrin, aka Ryan, and Dan, aka Dan. How are you doing, boys? Hello. 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 Hello! <laughs> and hello. welcome! <laughs> that was a great one. That's the best hello we've done yet. <laughs> Three hellos, nice and concise. How are you boys all doing? You good? Me? I'm, uh, I'm, I've had a bit of an ordeal today. Nearly chopped my finger off with an angle grinder, cut my arse cheek open, and I smashed my wing mirror off my van. So it's, it's, it's all been pretty good. I've got like a four-inch cut straight down my arse cheek. It's a... Uh, <laughs> It's quite the sight. <laughs> I've got a big one right down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> How did you do it? What, my finger? Any, my all, of them, all of them. I think everyone will <laughs> be interested in one of the cuts you've received. <laughs> <laughs> They're connected. Um, no, I, I was using an angle grinder and I put it down and it. it's like spun out and it's like cut through some of my nail and it's pretty deep. Mm. Probably should have gone to hospital to get some stitches, but... I had this to do, didn't I? So, you know, priorities. The other one, I just sat on a steel and it cut my ass open. <laughs> yeah, I really tried to get out of recording this by trying to convince you to go to the hospital, but no dice. No, no. Nothing's more important than this. I'm sad it didn't all happen in one accident. Like, everything. <laughs> one thing led into another. His finger was up his ass while he did it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, in honour of this occasion, of having all you boys here, and a very tired Ryan, I can see there, we're watching a uh, a film inherently linked to music, and not just any music, DJ music. Broad. <laughs> I thought that made me chuckle when I wrote it, but it's terrible reading it out loud, but it's staying in, and without further ado, I haven't named the film, have I? It's Human Traffic, 1999. <laughs> so professional. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get started, as we always do, with a quick plot synopsis. Not from, like I said last week, ChatGPT, but again from Google, so prepare for the highest level of shitness. For Jip, Lulu, Coop, <laughs> Nina, and Moth, the dead-end jobs they endured during the week just kill the time until Friday night. That's when they cut loose and get on the crazy roller coaster ride that takes them right through to Monday morning. An adrenaline-pumped comedy, Human Traffic, chronicles the ups and downs, both chemical and emotional, of five friends whose weekends are filled with endless clubbing, pubbing, and partying, where there are no rules, no limits, and no saying no. Oh, fuck, I smashed that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that was probably the best the best plot synop from ChatGBT. Yeah, well that, was, done. that was from Google. Oh, <laughs> but in which case, well done, Mr. Google. <laughs> it is not hard to do a plot synopsis for a movie that has no plot. <laughs> that is, yeah. I mean, it's literally someone's night out, in it? And that's how succinct that could have been. This movie is a night out. <laughs> Good night out. Well... Fuck, shall we get started then? I reckon. This movie literally gets started by introducing every character separately, so let's work our way through those. <laughs> we begin with Jip. And let's address this right now, just the, the worst fucking name for a character in any movie ever. What's Jip yeah. short for? Jipathy. Jipathon? Jipathy, that's good. Jip. <laughs> and he's played by John Sim, who is a quintessentially British actor. Yeah. 
Can I just say, I've always thought, I, I watched this years ago, I always thought it was the guy from The Office. What's his name? It's the guy from Martin the Freeman. Martin Freeman. I always thought this was Martin Freeman. Kind of the same sort of plain British face yeah. looking yeah. guys. Exactly the same. Yeah. In, my, in my young head. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. Yeah, I can see it. But uh, in a weird way, I'm more excited to see John Sim than who is probably a bigger star, Martin Freeman. Oh, I love seeing John Sim and stuff. Have you guys seen Mad Dogs? Which is just like Ooh. a proper British sort of... Uh, it's not a dark comedy, but it's very, very dry. No, I don't think so. I think the only things that I've... He was in Life on Mars, wasn't he? Of course, and yeah. And he was yeah, in Doctor Who? Yes, he was the master in David Tennant's Doctor Who. Yeah. Mm. He was indeed. I could name you all the episodes he was in, but I don't want to regain Fucking my nerd. virginity card, so I'll leave <laughs> that there. Uh, so yeah, so we begin with Jip, whose whole introduction is about how he's been struggling to get a boner, and everybody seems to be getting laid but him. He introduces himself in his little fantasy as Mr. Floppycock, which I thought <laughs> yes, was he does. a bit unnecessary to call himself that, but, Own it. but he true, made that. Cause... Yeah, he is owning it, but also it's quite hurtful to him, so it's, it's not an easy thing, and he's calling himself that. He made his own t-shirt for his fantasy. Where can we get he that did. t-shirt? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but his entire character arc is having a floppy cock and then at the end of the movie doesn't have a floppy cock. And it's all because he's been taking too many pills. Yeah. If he just stopped taking pills, he'd get a boner. Where's the fun in that work? True. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty easy problem to solve, but when he's reluctant do you want to solve it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never seen this movie, but I... I must infer uh, that this was based out of Cardiff at this point, knowing mm. nothing about it, because the clocks on the wall behind Jip were Tokyo, New York, and Cardiff, and the yeah. only fucking location on this entire planet <laughs> measures the time of the UK by the time in Cardiff <laughs> must be Cardiff. And this is confirmed later on, and I felt a bit stupid when everything else was so, I'm going to say it again, quintessentially Cardiff in this. Yeah. I did think it was a bit of an odd... I mean, my, my knowledge of this sort of time period, like, rave-wise, is fairly limited, but I was, <laughs> it was wise. Cardiff like a hub for it, Ryan? You might know. I don't know, mate. I'm the same age as you. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're a proper Ask Dan, as well. Ever lived close. I live in London. I, yeah, I, I guess so. I think... There's people there. Why wasn't it London or Manchester or something? Yeah, you'd, you'd think, like, right. you'd expect it to be Manchester for some reason. If it was outside yeah. of London, but... Maybe Cardiff wasn't just fell yeah, behind sure. a little bit. I reckon because it was cheap as fucking chips to film in Cardiff rather than Manchester or somewhere else. Yeah, that would make sense. Also, maybe it's like only set about five years ago and they're just catching up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, next we meet Coop, who is Jip's best friend. Oh, I am already know I'm going to hate trying to keep up with the people's bloody names in this movie. He's Jip's best friend. And he's introduced as not being able to stop thinking about other men fucking his girlfriend. Uh, and whilst we don't get much more about him than that for now, Jip does pop in over voiceover to reassure us that despite Coop's distractions, he is a craftsman and prime best friend material. Mm. And that's the end of what we learn really about Coop for this movie. Yeah. Everyone seems to have to have like a fundamental flaw in their character for it. And none of yeah. them really get resolved apart from Jips. Yeah, apart from the boner. <laughs> yeah. They've all got dog names as well. They're all dog names. <laughs> they, they really Shit, do. they do all have dog names. Yeah. Good, okay, so let's, moth. for everyone listening, let's run through them all right here. Jip, Coop, Lulu, Moth, and Nina. And uh, 
Maybe Nina's not. The side character, Felix, is yeah. a pride dog okay. Who the fuck was Felix? Oh, I think, That's don't quote me on that. I'm 80% sure it was Felix. Uh, Andrew Lincoln. Is that his name? Yeah. The one that looks like oh, Sam. I thought he was referred yeah. to as Doves. Yeah, that must be his drug name, because that was... Doves were a pill in the late 90s. I'm glad it's not his surname, because Felix Doves is fucking <laughs> awful. <laughs> it might be, but I'm at... Yeah, double doves were like a thing, I think, from oh, from what okay. I hear in documentaries. So here's the issue with me leading this episode, is I'm so far removed from this scene, or this type of music, or these type of people, that you're going to have to interpret literally everything for me as we go along. <laughs> so it'll be me saying something wrong, much like in the plot notes, where I'd written that someone was given the smallest cling films worth of weed possible, and one of you wrote, I think that was hash. <laughs> was and hash. I sat there embarrassed for a it moment. What the fuck do I know about it, Ryan? There's no <laughs> difference between hash and weed in my mind. No, I know nothing of the sort anyway, but... Yeah, <laughs> why you're clarifying that we are synonymous with drugs more than you we're not drug barons Fucking we're not massive druggers <laughs> we're not part of the rape culture this this episode might be a bit telling though about some of our past <laughs> oh it, maybe well let's see as we go along let's continue with these characters for yeah. now following coop we meet his girlfriend nina who spends less time thinking about the different men who want to fuck her and more time thinking about the job that she's ended up in she works in a sort of like good burger esque joint. It's odd because it's it doesn't look a very British place. It's a mm. very chain burgery restaurant that you'd imagine from America, but uh it's sort of idealistic as the job you don't want. In the little outfits, she looks like Mario. <laughs> Didn't she look like Mario in the little hat? <laughs> 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 they all look like fucking Mario, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> So this shitty job is compounded by the fact that she failed to get accepted for a college philosophy course, which is the first inconsistency in this movie for me, because in my mind, it is far easier to get on a college philosophy course than it is to get a job at a burger joint. <laughs> but let's leave that there for now, because she quits very soon. I, this is another thing where I thought it was someone else. In my head, when I first saw this movie, I thought it was Olivia Coleman. I fucking did too. So did Chloe. So did Chloe. Yeah. She made me pause and check if it was, but it no, oh, it's that not. would have been so good. That would have been so good. They should make Very a Very famous film. actor, Olivia Coleman, being in this. Martin Freeman and Olivia Coleman star in the <laughs> parallel version of this. And then just three dogs. Yes. <laughs> they go out for a nice country walk. That would win an actual Oscar, that would. Fucking yeah. would as well. Now we're introduced to Lulu, who is a single woman who is absolutely fine with being a single woman. This could not be made more clear in this introduction of her character. <laughs> Stop asking her while she's single. She is fine with it. However, Jip does chime in again over his now classic voiceover. And he does state that him and Lulu have become dropping partners, mm. uh, which is... I guess, the 90s version of foreplay, so maybe there's something coming in the future for them. <laughs> Last up is Moff, who is probably your boy's favourite character in this, 100%. isn't he? Okay, let me get his intro out of the way and we can discuss Moff as much as you want. He's more than fine with being single, as he equates being in a relationship as not a very top-of-the-pops moment. <laughs> now, let me do that again, because it's even worse than that. Not very top-of-the-pops at the moment. Right, there we go. 
Yeah, it didn't age very well, did it? I mean, my memory of that is fairly limited anyway. I don't really remember it being on te- uh, on telly that much. But No, but they fucking loved it, didn't they? People who, were, who like, lived through the 90s, and like us who were all born in the 90s, they fucking loved Top of the Pops. Nothing got topper than that, did it? <laughs> the Pops did. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> did it, though? <laughs> did it, though? Because if that was Top of the Pops, all the Pops have been lower since. Oh, you're right as well. That's very true. He says in his intro that he he likes nothing more than being off my pickle and feeling the music. Yeah, he's a pill monster. <laughs> Self-described, and he bloody loves having a good time. He was brilliant in this, though. I, I actually Usually Danny Dyer irritates me a little bit, but he was fucking wicked in this. He was not in it as much as I'd like him to have been. Yeah. This is a bit more focused around like relationships and stuff, and because his his arc, if he has one, isn't very locked into anything else that's going on in the movie. No. For you boys and for anyone listening, if you want to watch a really good Danny Dyer movie, watch Doghouse. Yeah. Which is... Oh, of course you've bloody seen it, Johnny. That's a good one. pretends to be a horror, but it's not. It's a chance for Danny Dyer just to make jokes and fuck about for an hour and 20 minutes. And there's like... He's on a stag do, and all the the Hindus that are also out in the area at the time are all like turning into weird mutant zombie type people about and it's just film. him fucking people out it's it's really good it's a good one that is a good yeah. one yeah it reminds me do you remember lesbian vampire killers oh don't it, don't put those two in the no, same no, bloody it's in the same sort of vein isn't it all right no maybe yeah, not that good. maybe what's the the end of the simon Pegg and nick frost uh at what the world's end something that yeah. one same sort of vein as that same kind of style it was it yeah it was good i like that film Oh, fucking lesbian vampire killers. Sorry. You I'm sorry. Fucking... That film was fucking shit. <laughs> Awful. I, I mean, I'm going to say it, boys. I might be the first person ever to say it. Hate James Corden. <laughs> he is the biggest, <laughs> he's the biggest bellend. And he's only got worse since yeah. he's gone to America. We've yep. discussed it before. Yeah. I quite like him, but I think I only like him because in my head, he's Smithy and Gavin and Stacey. Mm. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Are you out of Earthwork then? <laughs> I, th- I think that's your resignation notice, isn't it? I won't have dissenting opinions. <laughs> that's not very top of the pops, Dan. <laughs> anyway, so that's 30 minutes of character introductions out the way. We're now hitting the opening credits. And this is by far my favourite opening credits of the entire podcast so far Mm. because it's just interlacing footage of riots and people (laughs) just fucking off their chops on pingers and whilst any opening credits of any length are egregiously long it does set the tone of this movie very well Mm. unlike any other ones i've seen which are usually just fucking cgi of dna and shit going through a screen to explain how possibly a giant crocodile might live in this fucking (laughs) lake it's like an ode. It's an ode to like the the criminal justice bill that came out at the time, right? And I've seen the film described as kind of like Ooh. very anti that bill at the time, but the film didn't really play on it much, if at all, which I thought was quite disappointing. Yeah, yeah from the intro, it seems like it's going to have like some kind of political message alongside it, whereas really, it's sort of like a counterculture thing mm-hmm. that they're trying to push as a message. But it could have done. I can't remember what the bill was. It wasn't Swamp Eighty One or something like that, was it? No, that was the stop and search one. Yeah, I can't remember. I don't know, but yeah, I, that was really cool. Does anyone want to hazard a guess at what uh, time the film actually starts? 
How far in? After those opening credits. After those opening credits. Well, okay. I reckon I've been watching the film for about an hour and a half by this point, (laughs) trying to take notes of all the shit that was happening between the character introductions, the voiceovers and that. Uh, I reckon 20 minutes? (laughs) No. Seven. I'm going to say 10. It was six minutes and 47 seconds. Dan, very close. Yeah, well, that's seven minutes. <laughs> but egregious. You're back in not. Earth, Worger, Dan. <laughs> the correct guess. You're back in. So now the movie proper starts, and we're at work with Jip, and he's worried about a woman who's just come into the store named Karen Benson. I don't know why I noted this down or why that name had such a emphasis for me in this movie, but she is someone that he had previously tried to bang and failed to because of his chronic limp dick syndrome. Pilly Willy is what it is. Yeah. For you boys, and I imagine this must be what the film is trying to to say is this is a this is sports direct, right? It looks very much like sports direct, yeah. Yeah. It was some kind of jumble sale of shit clothes. I didn't get that. I didn't think it was sports direct, but really, really paying much attention at this point. Again, like the <laughs> a bit glazed me over. Like the diner scene, it seemed a bit America Americanized. For yeah. sure. Yeah. So it was a bit odd. But the scene that we're gonna discuss, I love that scene. For numerous reasons. Mm. The t-shirt change. I think Johnny alluded to earlier, Mr. Floppy t-shirt. Just cut to the kind of next frame and he's wearing that t-shirt, like a totally different t-shirt to the one he's working in. I love that. And to the, the general cinematography of the film. So the way uh, Karen Benson and her boyfriend kind of like a slid. To the... Glide, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's excellent. That was really yes. cool. It reminded me a bit of space. Yeah. Oh, that is yeah. exactly what Chloe said. She yeah. asked if it was the director from space, which is, of course, Edgar Wright, a film of which you've already mentioned, The, yeah. the World's End. Uh, it's very, very reminiscent of that. Maybe it's just a, a British cinema type thing, that sort of surrealistic approach to cinematography. Yeah. So let's go through what, what's happening here, because this is the first the first time you realise that this movie is a bit more meta than you might have expected going in. So... Jip is trying to serve this woman, and as he's doing it, he goes into this kind of... It's not a hallucination, it's a, a sort of a daydream of sorts, this sort of internal panic you have about the situation you're currently in, and in this manner, dancing and making fun of him for having a floppy dick because he's failed to fuck her in the past, and in the <laughs> background she's doing this sort of weird, sexy dance... And also signifies why this movie was so bloody hard to take notes for, because there were so many scenes within scenes and commentary upon commentary. Mm. And this is where he dons that that shirt, Mr. Floppy, with the big limp dick on it. <laughs> or, or as Charlie would think from Always Sunny, the uh, veiny muscly arm. <laughs> which is what it made me think of for sure. Yeah. So whilst we're being introduced to characters again, as if we didn't have enough of that at the beginning, we're mm. now heading over to Lulu, who is arguing with her ex? I th- is it college or school? Again, yeah, Again this is very American because there's lockers. Yeah, down the she's side the only one out of them who has her life together, apparently. So I think she's studying for something. But yeah, I don't know. She's about to break up with her boyfriend. And the bit about this that I really struggled with: everyone's smoking. Every single person in this like canteen is chain smoking, and I've. I've been in lock-ins before, but we were a bit young for when everything, everyone was smoking in pubs, really, weren't yeah. we? And if it was like that, I'm fucking glad I missed it, because it looked horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it, it did look horrible, yeah. So 2005, I don't know why this is imprinted in my memory, but that's when smoking finally got banned in pubs. But 
My stepdad, I suppose he was, my brother's dad, used to take us to the pub all the time when I was younger than that. And I fucking hated being in there because every old geezer... It, Dan, you all know where I'm about to reference. The Farmer's Arms <laughs> out in Goldcliffe. You know the kind of clientele in there. Old fucking men who don't give a shit about their health, let alone your health, just smoking cigarettes constantly. And to sort of alleviate your worries about the secondhand smoke and eventual cancer that you're going to get, <laughs> your, your dad gets you a, a, a bit of shandy, you know? Oh, you're, you're a real man now. You're ingesting this smoke and drinking something that can be equated to a lager. Anyway, enough about my traumas. Let's move on <laughs> to the rest of the scene. <laughs> so yeah, um, Lulu's ex uh, cheated on her um, with someone called Yvonne. I don't know why I noted that down. And she tells him to fuck off. Doesn't matter. He's not in the rest of the movie. Neither's Yvonne. She sits down to her friend to vent and two blokes who are the incarnate concept of what people who have never smoked weed think people who smoke weed are like, <laughs> join them at the table, and they just rant on for ages about having just been to the dam. Oh, God. It was all a bit so cringy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was a, quite a nothing scene, as there was quite a few in this film. Uh, but it, it delivers a good quotable at the end of the scene, I think. What was the quote? Something about all the way in Jamaica or something? <laughs> Yeah, the bass line was so hard, you could feel the vibrations in Jamaica. <laughs> that so, was it, I was trying no, to... <laughs> so, and also in that scene, the kind of like, uh, the quick shots of like them smoking through their arse, which I yeah. think was yeah. kind of what was actually happening in Amsterdam when they were talking about the story, maybe. I just thought they were chatting through their arse. I thought that was yeah, what they Yeah, that's, oh, that's what I got. Yeah, they're... they're... Talking to their ass, and but yeah. because they're talking about smoking, we've got that sort of imagery. This is very much a commentary. This whole film is a commentary on, on people who are part of the drug scene. Yeah. And to not to fucking drop any of us in the shit, boys. It's funny how twenty years have passed, more than twenty years have passed since this movie came out, and it's very much the same then as it is now. I'm sure that you have heard conversations in this movie, seen scenes in this movie seen people portrayed in this movie that you can directly relate to from real situations in your life. People, oh. moments. There's very specific moments <laughs> we're going to get to where I felt embarrassed seeing them on the screen. Yeah. It's the dichotomy <laughs> of the whole smoking era, isn't it? It's just like, <laughs> I've seen him in the smoking area and him. You, you don't even have to like be a raver or do it regularly. You could have gone out once to one night realize you didn't yeah. like it and you would have heard every single one of these conversations and seen every one of these stereotypes they're so absolutely they're so real and it's so true how everyone acts like that. even like the fashion like the, the clothing that they're wearing you know you could yeah, argue it's man. kind of gone around and come back around again cyclical but for sure people are wearing the same thing nowadays when you go out they did in this yeah film. definitely so now we we head straight from <laughs> I'm going to forget characters' names. I have to keep it on the screen. Lulu. Lulu yeah. arguing uh, with her ex and talking to her friend. Straight over to Coop, now at his workplace. And he works in, I guess, HMV or some such record shop. And he's selling some East Coast shit to some guy who's looking for that. And some jungle to some fucking real crackhead Newport looking people. <laughs> this scene is like the... I would say the fam most famous scene of this film. Iconic. Right? It's yeah, really? it's iconic. Yeah. yeah. Also, one of the one of the guys looking for jungle, the one in like the shiny puffer jacket. That's the director. Yeah. 
and write Jesse it. Carrigan, yeah. yeah. I did not know that. See, yeah. this scene sort of glazed by me because... He does look like a crackhead, though. Like kind of a, a nothing. <laughs> not, not that guy. Not the guy who was looking for junk. Oh, no. Oh, no, it was the, the first guy. guy yeah. who's, who's talking in like some sort of faux like <laughs> American accent, but with like quite a thick Welsh accent underlying yeah. it. <laughs> it didn't, I mean, Mate. I'm sure those people exist still, but fuck me, that was awkward. That orange puffer jacket, though. I've got oh, that one. Lit. I actually have that puffer jacket. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I can take the piss, then I'm probably taking the piss out of myself. Yeah, that any jungling guy. That's that was like a, a phrase apparently in the. It's one of those ones like we had with like Anchorman, where you would always reference it. This was that thing for this time period. People would say that all the time. Allegedly, I would have been seven when this film came out, so <laughs> a bit young for it. But yeah, again, the, the cinematography, I keep going back to it, but the, kind of like the way, the angle it's filmed from. So when the kind of two guys come in and look at the jungle and they're kind of like looking down at mm. Coop and Coop's like looking back up at him. I really like the way it's shot. It was really cool. You could turn Harry Krishna into a bad boy. <laughs> 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 and the dancing is top tier. 100%. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Anyone know the name of the uh, the jungle track that was playing? Aphrodite. Right. Yeah, boy, DJ Aphrodite. Holy shit. Stalker. And that's why we got the boys here. That's what all this is for. <laughs> iconic, iconic jungle track, that. To go back to what you were saying then, Johnny, my mum loved this movie. So for context, my mum had me far too young. And so <laughs> she was probably well into this scene whilst I was a baby. That explains uh, a lot. Don't worry, I wasn't <laughs> breastfed, even though that would explain a lot. Uh, but she would quote this shit all the time. Any jungling, specifically, I remember her and my uncle loving a lot. Yeah. In one of the, the scenes of that, one of the turntables isn't even turned on. I know <laughs> <laughs> The Trust one that's meant to be playing, yeah, literally. <laughs> and one of the and one of the uh, shots, uh, the needle wasn't even on the record, so <laughs> I don't I don't know how that's happening. <laughs> Good, that's why we make this podcast, Johnny. That's the <laughs> shit. <laughs> Fuck this film. <laughs> anyway, now we're back over to Jip at his place of work, and he's complaining about how absolutely shit things are there. This film gets even more meta now because this is where he he's talking about his boss fucking him but then you see a literal representation of that as a guy in a suit who's... It's pretty fucking harrowing what's happening just for a really t- long time. Bums him from behind long. and yeah, whispers in his ear and is fucking spitting on him and everything. It's uh, well, it's supposed to make you hard to question that that's what it's like in that well, yeah. <laughs> Not Jip, mate. No, no, of course <laughs> the movie not. could end here if he was getting boners now. <laughs> we got another fucking hour and twenty. <laughs> yeah, that that whole scene went on a little bit too long, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a bit. It made me smile for the first ten seconds, and I was a bit like, <laughs> "This can stop now. It's starting to be a bit more, bit more sinister." I like the <laughs> like the metaphorical aspect of it. It's quite good, definitely. And both that and now this next scene, uh, I think, represent what this movie is trying to do or trying to say so accurately. So the next one is in Nina's workplace and the the scene sort of opens with everybody doing the robot and you think, ah, it's just, it's a music movie. That's why that's happening right now. But then you get that whole scenario where her boss is like laboring over her. It's slimy. He's literally lubed up because he, he wants to fuck her. That's the whole point of this scene. And he's like licking around her and being really guttural in her ear. Uh, and then as she quits, 
and she leaves again and you see everybody doing the robot again you realize oh it's because all of them are robots it's the film is being fucking literal and i didn't catch it the first time around she's the only person in this scene who's not a robot oh. because she's quit her job and everybody else is happy to to keep on doing it even with this shit fucker doing all that luby shit that messed me completely yeah that passed me by but the thing i did notice was he had the first very noticeably Welsh accent to me obviously I know there was a couple of Welsh people in here so I'm kind of used to the Welsh accent but that guy had a very strong Welsh accent that was like the first one I kind of recognised in the film Mm. I thought it was kind of interesting that it was like the really really creepy guy I was like why have they made that decision (laughs) (laughs) thankfully they had more Welsh people in this than just this guy yeah Yeah, that scene made me really uncomfortable Uh, the dancing Uh, and the kind of the lubing up. The only thing more uncomfortable would have been the actor having to pour what I imagine was about 10 bottles of lube over him, over his, over his shirt. <laughs> it was, uh, you know. If he, if he slipped over, he would have kept on going for hours. He would have, <laughs> <laughs> he would have his own slip and slide. <laughs> so next, we are reintroduced to Moff, who is, of course, Danny Dyer in this movie. And he is, as I already mentioned, passing on that very small cling film's worth of hash to um the crazy lady who I, who I thought wouldn't be in the movie again but she is in the the house party at the end she has something to do with andrew lincoln's character oh. I, I don't fucking know everybody dips and dives out of this movie like there's no tomorrow it's odd that it's not mentioned again that moth is a drug dealer you think that yeah. would be like a big part of this movie but this is the only scene where Wait, it's, where he's doing that got the impression that he wasn't like a drug dealer for saves he was technically but not like big time or anything he just kind of like sold it to his mates just to afford the weekend the upcoming weekend yeah. out kind of thing uh, would, the whole yeah. thing was that he, he wasn't ready to grow up wasn't he he didn't want to get a job that's why he had that argument with his dad later i think again it made me like wonder how old the characters are because uh, well he was 21 when it filmed so i'm guessing maybe that but even at, i don't know i had a job at 21 well if they're in college okay. It's seventeen, eighteen, isn't it? Yeah, I think later on someone says they were twenty. It might have been Moth that oh, says okay. he was twenty. Yeah, well, she would have been quite a cool because she was just nuts. And <laughs> Danny Dyer says you really know how to make a man go moist, <laughs> <laughs> which made me laugh out loud. <laughs> but she would have been quite a cool character. I would have traded her for either of the women in this. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to bag on them too much, but they're not very interesting, are they? No. But then neither really is John Sims' character. No. He's a... They're all a bit one-dimensional. 100%, yeah. The characters are, like you said, one-dimensional. The character development's not in the film. But I, I quite like the female characters. No, yeah. Kind of like their storyline, like how carefree they are. And yeah, how kind of trouble-free yeah. they are. And just the friendship between the two of them, uh, Lulu and Nina, was really nice to see. Yeah. I think like an overarching theme was kind of like, paranoia but that was only with chip and coop like essentially playing off on a like fragile masculinity because it was only those two guys that were paranoid that the, the girls exhibited like none of that behavior yeah that's yeah, true that's actually really interesting because jip and coop's relationship is kind of superficial in that you know when they speak on the phone very soon it's just kind of those catchphrases that they're shouting back at each other there's nothing real between them <laughs> but then the girls they're always talking literally about what's real in their lives Maybe they're what carried this fucking movie. The rest of it was just fucking <laughs> Imagine, happening to me. Imagine. Just catchphrases. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so next is my least favourite scene in this movie because it makes me feel sick. 
Jip goes to visit his mum, who I caught on way too late, is a prostitute. <laughs> or escort of... I, she, I don't know. She's in the... She's a sex worker. Yeah. And Jip goes over to visit, and she asks for five minutes uh, whilst she can finish with the guy upstairs. <laughs> and at, at first, when I started my, writing my notes, quite rightly, uh, Jip's like, no, I'm out of here. I've got stuff to do. Because he does have stuff to do. But then he gives in, and he he waits those five minutes for oh. his mum to finish fucking that guy, God. and then for her to come down and discuss dinner and everything. It really irked me how like close that like, physically close they were in the scene. Like mm. she she mm-hmm. just been upstairs yeah. with a client, let's call him, and, and then she comes down and kind of like hugs him and stands so close kisses and him. kisses him and stands so close to him. That would not be happening. No, absolutely not. I, on the other hand didn't have much of an issue with it um apart from she was just a bit creepy but he i think he was a bit creepy i mean maybe it's just my experience but i don't he seems really touchy-feely with his his mum but you know maybe that's just normal for him this doesn't Um, really come back up though either like i don't understand why she needed to be if if it was like his development as her son and like understanding and like growing past this thing that he's really uncomfortable with i would kind of get it but it just yeah. doesn't really come back up again he goes around as we'll see later and gives us some flowers and that's going to be the their little thing ended like and they're even closer in that scene yeah. and there's a lot more kissing and hugging in that it is whole very weekend of clients edible audible Ed- <laughs> 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 oedipus you're on your own there. Who's the guy who wants to Octopus. fuck his mum? <laughs> Oedipus. Oedipus, there we go. Oh, <laughs> Lord, I need some Oedipus. It's too late for Greek <laughs> mythology, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> and now, uh, like this movie does, we fucking jump over to Coop, who is scratching on the board, and I put a question mark there, because I don't know if that's the fucking terminology for this. <laughs> Uh, he dreams of being a DJ and we get an extended <laughs> far too extended scene of puffing the herb just over and over and over again until Jip fucking thankfully comes in with another voiceover to say Coop can't scratch for shit but he enjoys living in the fantasy scratching the board is definitely how I'm going to refer to by the way Evan is just scratching oh, okay <laughs> I'm just going to go scratch the board. board. (laughs) I thought that bit was really. I really liked that scene. Again, cinematography. I liked the way the camera kind of like span like a record as it was filming. Yeah. uh, Which they do in Widows, one of my favourite scenes. It kind of like spins to emulate like a a record or a song going around. Anyone know what track that is? Ooh. Oh. No. No. Is it scratching the board by? Oh, DJ <laughs> Jeff, I don't know. I don't know any DJs other than you. I think it's. I think. Um, I think it's by Doctor X, but I could be wrong. Mm. I think. It, I don't think it does that in the actual song. No, because I, I read somewhere that Fat Boy Slim did the scratching for that. Okay, but I. I don't know. I know that he did some of the the music for this film, so it would make sense. But I, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was cool. It made me want to learn how to scratch properly, but I can't say. So. I need to associate something in my mind right now. There was a DJ who was big 20 years ago when he would tour all the time. Name began with W. Westwood. 
Westwood, thank you. Oh my god, that Radio could have gone one. on for ages. He uh, is now not allowed to be spoken of. Yeah, he's, he is he's a councillor. <laughs> Nonce or woman abuser? Um, or both? Both, I think. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's always the ones that you can absolutely tell what they are straight away, but for some reason, <laughs> yeah. no one says ones for ages. Who look <laughs> like it, yeah. He, he was a privately educated boy from somewhere, I can't remember... But a nice area of London, right? Or oh no, Dartford or something like that. But he went to like a good public school. He was hiding he... in plain sight. Yeah. I'm surprised he's not <laughs> yeah, in the literally. film. I'm surprised he doesn't have a cameo around the timing. I think it was a bit early was for it? that. He was mid to mid two thousands, yeah. I think. Pete Tong gets a mention in this. Yeah, well, he's I think on he the did the music, didn't he? Yeah, Pete... yeah, he curated it. I think. Yeah, in the scene where Coop jumps into his car, um, they're playing like a. Like pre recorded radio show, and that's Pete Tong's radio show. Ah, Pete Tong, the man, the legend. The film we almost did, and if this goes well, we should do that. Oh man, it's all gone Pete Tong. It's an amazing film. I've never seen that actually. It's good, it's fucking weird. A very, very long time ago. So, you boys didn't have any notes for the scene, but I thought it was disgusting that we wouldn't mention it, so I'm going to. So, Coop now calls Nina for some phone sex. Even though she is in a room full of people and he knows she is because they're preparing for a night out, he does the phone sex, but then he stops to go to the other side of the room, grab his mic and his notes and put a a little scratch on the board and starts doing like a rehearsed rap he's prepared for her for the sexy talk. And yeah. the scene is for nothing other than to <laughs> preface Nina telling Coop that Lulu doesn't have a ticket for the night out. Yeah. And it's fine because it's funny, but seeming as though the next three scenes are all phone calls in which people just tell someone something, this scene could have just been Nina telling Coop that these fucking names. Nina telling Coop that Lulu didn't have a ticket. Didn't didn't she answer the phone though? Lulu answered the phone initially. She did. Because yeah. because he says, "Oh, your legs open, you filthy little harlot," <laughs> <laughs> which again made me laugh. <laughs> um, and then, but I quite like that bit afterwards. He was acting like all embarrassed, and it felt like a very genuine sort of like embarrassment moment. And he's like laughing down the phone. But yeah, he could have just been like, "You got a ticket?" She could have said, "No," in the whatever. Seen done. She meant to be Irish in this because sometimes she flicks into a Welsh accent. Yeah, I got Irish. She's definitely Irish. Okay. I'm accent blind, so I've got no fucking clue. You're from Wales. You live in <laughs> Wales, Evan. <laughs> you all sound the same to me, mate. <laughs> Will I edit that out? Who knows? <laughs> Depends how confident I am on editing day. <laughs> anyway, now we get the aforementioned phone call scenes. So Coop calls Jip to ask if he can find a spare ticket for Lulu. And he thinks that possibly Moth might have one. So he gives Moth a call. And this is my favourite scene in the movie, yeah. I think. Even though it is pretty much a nothing scene. But does one of you want to do it? Because one of you wrote it in the notes. I said, nice one, brother! Nice, nice one, brother! Nice one, brother. Oh, Ryan. <laughs> nice one, brother! Nice one, brother! <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice one. Why don't any of you lot fucking ring me up and do that? I would love that. I, d- I don't even, I'm not even care if you don't have anything to say properly. Just... <laughs> Apparently, that whole scene was improvised as well. No. Like a no. Lot, a, a How lot of did they do it? Improvised. Oh, you're being sarcastic. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> yeah, apparently a lot of this film was improvised as well. A lot of the dialogue was. No. Which, again, makes sense. Now you were... I realise you're being sarcastic then. But... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> but another I've got to have some value and that's it. Yeah. Another thing that I saw is that they were actively taking drugs and drinking on set. I heard this. I don't know how true that really? is. Apparently in like a... An inter- it was on like Mix Mag or uh, MTV or something like that. They did an interview post the film coming out. And uh, yeah, they were drinking and doing drugs on set so yeah i was going to say the high acting was very good but maybe it wasn't high uh, acting sorry they were high <laughs> fuck me <laughs> say See, that in the right order next time the thing that looked really real to me was the come down uh yeah. specifically we're gonna get to it but moth when he is coming down while everyone else is still talking yeah. and he's sort of shivering and he's pale and he kind of wants to say something and he's holding his arms at the elbows <laughs> like that and he's looking around the room to interject but he doesn't quite have the energy to. That is such a real sort of yeah. milestone and all those nights out that I remember being on. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> True. Yeah. Anyway, continuing on from the calls, Chip now calls Lulu uh, because he's managed to to secure a ticket through Moss and he gives her that speech I'm sure we've all heard a thousand times when someone's trying to convince you to come out. It's like, oh, it's going to be a banger. We're going to have a great time. Think of the memories. Everybody there is going to love you. Don't worry about what's going on in life outside the night out. I'm sure that resonates with all of us. Mm. And that rounds off our our phone call scenes for now. (laughs) And this is where... Jip heads over to Coop to pick him up for the big night out. This is where Pete Tong comes on, on the radio. Hmm. Uh, is, it, is it where he's in the taxi? Moth so is- this is where Jip picks Coop up, but at the same time, oh, yeah, right, Moth okay. is getting him a Fuck taxi and is chewing off the so guy's much. ear. Yeah, it's not linear no. at all. It is all over the fucking place. But yeah, like you said, Moth is picked up in the taxi and he is chewing this taxi driver's ear off about whether or not... The film Taxi Driver <laughs> is much like actually being a taxi driver in real life. And he says that it is. I've never seen Taxi Driver, but I imagine it's like saying to a train spotter, is train spotting <laughs> like the film Train Spotting? It's De Niro fucking a load of people up. So no, it's nothing like no. being a taxi driver then. <laughs> no. It's horrible. No, but this yeah, the taxi Moff's taxi scene was one I forgot was in it, but on watchback it was one of my favourite scenes. It's it's quality. Yeah. The way the way he goes in on Peter Andre and like what's what's Peter Andre ever done? <laughs> <laughs> Travis. Oh, yeah, Peter Andre would have been a thing at this time, uh, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. He Mysterious been. girl. <laughs> Hell yeah. One side note that I had, like I think the other weekend we watched for like a reminisce football factory. Yeah. And that is another Danny Dyer film and it has a taxi driver in it. And the taxi driver's spouting a load of like racist nonsense in Football oh, Factory. Yeah. And yeah, it just made me think of that. So when he jumped in the taxi, uh, I was just expecting a load of racist nonsense to come out of the taxi driver's mouth, but I'm glad that it didn't. Yeah, the taxi driver didn't want to talk to him anymore, and at the end he was just no. like, right, okay, <laughs> all right. Was... Which is the realest thing in that scene, yeah. because again, I'm yeah. sure we've all been in a taxi where the guy clearly does not want to engage with you. I used to like asking taxi drivers in London what their favourite tunnel was. <laughs> And they were always like, shut up, mate. Like, <laughs> Wait, is it Blackwall Tunnel? Because that's a good one. <laughs> See, I always resorted to the classic, been busy, mate. What time did you finish? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's the other one. What time did you start? 
I bet you've been busy tonight because of insert event that's around the area. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Jip takes Coop to the pub and Moff gets dropped off at the pub and now they're all having prees together. The whole gang is there and Lee, I guess, who is now in this movie, he's worrying that the night out is going to be much bigger than the night out that he was expecting. And this this scene where they kind of go through the common dangers of using ecstasy, Dan. This is what you wanted to talk about. We're sort of the classroom imagination where the lecturer is going through all the things that can happen to you if you take yeah, it. Yeah, I loved how kind of like confident Jip was in kind of batting away the side mm. effects until the erectile destruction yeah. comes up and his face when that is said, it's just priceless. I loved it. I also vividly remember, I mean, again, not to give the game away a bit too much, but before my first time taking those sort of drugs. Um, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> if you're listening, Mum, I've never done it. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking, like, well, I've, I've heard about people overheating and dying. I've heard about all these things. But it, I think that, again, is probably quite a common thing for, before people take that sort of shit for the first time. Yeah, but there's always a guy there who's done it before who tells you, I've done it loads of times and look at me. And then we all turn into that guy eventually as down the chain we convince other people to do drugs <laughs> until we eventually stop when we get too old. <laughs> You'll be fine, mate. You'll be fine. Don't worry We're about it. We're waking up every it. day is like a come down anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, too true. Oh, so there's a great scene here that I really loved where Jip goes to the bar for a drink. And this whole scene is about where you run into someone that you you kind of remember or you like lived back home with and you're forced into that conversation with them. And initially they do have that sort of forced conversation where it's like, oh, you're right, mate. Yeah, I'll catch you out tonight. It'd be good, won't it? Yeah, see you later. But then they have that interpretation that we all want in that situation where it's more honest and Chip <laughs> is like, yeah, I, I don't want to fucking see you again. If we see each other again, let's pretend not to have seen each other. And it goes off from there. I fucking... I. Every time I have a conversation with someone, I wish it this, was like that. Yeah. Can't we just be honest? None of us this want this. This scene reminded me of you, Evan. Yeah, yeah as soon as it came on, yeah, it reminded me of you. <laughs> but the way, the way he kind of says, like, you're going to leave now. Okay, I'm going to get a drink. Okay, die. Die. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, I don't know, just reminds me of Sam. Who, it's uh, from, from this podcast. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He's from Love Actually, isn't he? And all that kind of thing. But he just looks like The Walking Sam. Dead. The Walking Dead. I've never from... seen The Walking Dead. Ryan. Okay. <laughs> ah, I don't spend my time watching The Walking Dead. You just watch Love Actually. <laughs> to be fair, it goes on for so long that you do have to spend your time doing that if you're going to watch it. So fair dudes, yeah. yeah. I can never get past the sixth season. I've given up. <laughs> The uh, the handshake bit in that is really relatable. They're both trying to shake each other's <laughs> hands but keep fucking it up. Oh, it's so good. And at the end he says, absolutely crucifying as always. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that scene kind of like saved the whole kind of general pub couple of scenes because the way they start singing I uh, uh, really... Oh my God. Well, actually, oh, so before creepy. that kind of where they, Chip was just going in on kind of like pop music just felt a bit too yeah. corny for me. And then the but also singing. we've done that. Yeah, but it. We've also done that. It's it's try. I think it's still trying to play on those stereotypes of the people who like that music. I mean, I I'm definitely one of those people. Like, oh fucking hate pop music now. Shit, it all sounds the fucking same. But then also, all the music that I listen to definitely sounds the fucking. I same. also really liked in that scene where they're kind of like uh, listing artists that they don't like. Yeah, Moth quietly drops in Peter Andre. Yeah, yeah. in a taxi a few moments ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. 
the national anthem bit I hated, hated so it. fucking much. It made my yeah, skin crawl. It didn't rhyme, and it was just so fucking corny. Ugh. I don't know what it was for. I, I don't, don't know what um, that was a commentary on. Shouldn't have been in the... Also, yeah. that guy that they're with, the, the, is someone's little brother. Um, Nina's. Yeah. Every time you go on like a night out, especially it happened in uni, someone would bring their sibling, their younger sibling, and it would be a bit like... <laughs> Oh, I'm out with the cool kids in uni, and you'd be like, "Right, we're going to get this person, or like it was someone's brothers and stuff, really drunk." And yeah, they would kind of be targeted, but I feel like they didn't target him. He just had the time of his life, which I'll tell you I what feel they like did is do. very good. Was this Lee? Was yeah. this who Lee was? They completely abandoned him immediately after saying, "Make sure you look after Lee tonight. He's never dropped before. You have to be really careful." And then as soon as they get in the club, no fucking no no. See, yeah. But the junglers adopted him. Yeah, the junglist did adopt him, and That's he had a brilliant night. Nice, but... nice people, junglists. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> in this uh, this pub scene as well, this is where Moff tells Jip about <laughs> how he biffs it every time he because he loves to to phone sex workers in <laughs> Taiwan, and but he biffs Taiwan. it every time because he doesn't have the confidence to see it through. And he talks about how his dad is really mad at him for spending one hundred and forty five quid on these phone calls. <laughs> So and I like cool. that his dad, because we have to know what kind of guy his dad is, they put him in his police uniform <laughs> in the house, even though they're clearly at home relaxing. And he's like drilling him as if he's like a, a younger officer who's new to the force. So we know exactly what kind of situation that Moff is in at home. And I also love how Moff says, I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, an entrepreneur. <laughs> and then follows that up with, are your nipples brown? <laughs> It made me fucking crease, man. It was so funny. Oh, God. And that he's saying about, um, you just need to get your own flat. You need to move out. And he was like, what do you care as long as it's got a phone line? (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that cracked me up. I just love the pronunciation of the dad saying Taiwan. It's like, Taiwan? <laughs> like it's ludicrous and insulting that a place would be named that, let alone that your son is phoning it. <laughs> Trying to bash on out when he's got home all pilled up. When he's in the toilet and he's just sort of like sat with his trousers around his ankles, just spacey-eyed. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. I watched this on ITVX, which obviously is overrun with adverts, so his film was extended by about an hour. But I thought it was serendipitous that this film and all movie nights on ITVX are sponsored by Candy Crush, which is another thing which is so of a time, just like this movie. <laughs> yeah. Just maybe 10 years later than this was. Also, I really needed to say the word serendipitous. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're outside the club. Pre-drinks are done. Now drinks have begun. Now we're outside the club and Moss can't find the spare ticket that he'd promised Lulu. But Jip... Jip. Jip is his name. Jip has a plan. He's going to pretend to be from Mixmag and want to do this sort of full-page piece on the club. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Can one of you boys pull out your ass? The club is called Asylum. Asylum. Well, the guy's name is Pablo Hassan. Yeah. Yes. Anyone know who that yeah. is? The actor? No. Carl Cox. Yeah. Does anybody Legend. know who that is? He's a, Techno one DJ. of the best DJs he's ever lived. He's amazing. I'm glad you're all here. Yeah, the... Um, <laughs> That the club was is a real club on Cardiff High Street. It was at oh. the time called the Emporium. I'm guessing it's probably called something different now. 
but yeah, they use that for all the interior and exterior shots. Oh, well, well, pretty cool because that's where most of the movie is now set. So yeah, Jip's pretending to have an appointment with Pablo Hassan, who is the, the proprietor of the club, like Ryan just said. But he's worried because this guy, and quote now, is a complete schizo cokehead. So he's worried that this is gonna gonna go to shit while he's pretending to be this interviewer. I assume Mixmag's a real yeah. magazine as Ryan's well. Okay, this is all Mag? references. That, nah, DJ uh, Mag. Oh, DJ Mag, sorry. Yeah, the little the little version. <laughs> no offense. So they're pretending to to do a list of the best clubs in Wales, which is, is already a very exciting list, isn't it? He uh, he picks up the phone and, and calls his gran, pretending to be speaking to his secretary. Uh, you know, pretending that his guy was in a car crash on the way, his photographer. But he does bloody get away with it. And I did like his gran being confused on the other end of the phone. That was pretty funny. It made me really yeah. sad. One question I had was, why was there so many people all sat in a row in his office? <laughs> yeah, I really liked how, like, again, the, the scene kind of, like, cut. And then they, they were all of a sudden right behind him on it, yeah, on top like, of him. Towering the, over I love that bit. Yeah. The pressure of the moment. That was very space, that yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah. Because space always cuts away to go to the sort of... So it does the real scene, and then it does the scene from the perspective of the person's mind as they're in it. And those that's what it feels like when you're in a situation like that, when the fire's under your ass, It feels like everyone's breathing over your neck and they're all watching you. Well, really, nobody fucking gives a shit about what you're saying. Yeah. Mm. Carl Cox was happy to let him in. All he right, was pretty nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. Was, he wasn't a schizo cokehead. He was just sat there. Also, yeah. eight. Why they? I, I noticed the time. I think they did a timestamp or something because I noted it down. Eight p.m. They were going to the club. <laughs> packed. Yeah. yeah. Never been to a club at eight p.m. Packed. I didn't notice that actually. I noticed the timestamp, but didn't question that eight is an insane time to go to the club. <laughs> and it was absolutely heaving. It's also a whole two hours before we're recording this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh fucking hell! We yeah. should be in the club now. <laughs> Did, did clubs just open earlier back in the day? Because at the afters, it's time stamped at 3am. And that's the time that most club nights sort of finish in the UK. Maybe also because it's Cardiff, they finish earlier. Yeah, maybe. It's weird out there. <laughs> Why? Why? Because it's Cardiff. Because smaller, smaller towns like, finish time earlier. And, oh, um, right. London, Cardiff's a big city. Yeah, well, London finishes at like five, if you're lucky. Or six. Oh, yeah, right, if you're that big. Name <laughs> another city as big as London in the UK. Manchester. Fuck. <laughs> We're not as big, but. Oh, so you'd accidentally say Cardiff. <laughs> Sidestep that one, didn't you, Rory? <laughs> I've got street smarts, mate. Bear in mind that it's 8pm uh, in the club in Cardiff, so we'll be closing in an hour. But Andrew Lincoln is fucking off his face at the bar. And actually, this is my favourite scene. I-, I lied earlier when I said it was moth. Yeah. It is this one. And he's being chewed off by Lee from earlier, I think. Oh, no. no or just another guy. Around. Everybody looks the same. Okay, yeah. He's chewing his ear off and Andrew Lincoln's doing his bloody best to, to go along with the conversation. He's, he's a bit too fucked to be putting up with what this guy is jabbing <laughs> on about. But the funny bit is when Andrew Lincoln leaves and a girl joins him at the bar but and the guy just joins back into the conversation as if nothing else has changed. <laughs> this guy just wants to talk and we have all met a guy like that. We've all been a guy like that. At the bar, just looking for someone to fucking talk at. I'm looking at you, John. And you're the <laughs> talker at her of anyone I, I bloody no know. What you're talking about? That is not me, and it never would be. It doesn't I, matter who you're I fucking doing that it statement. to. <laughs> he loves talking so much that he's bought himself a microphone and sat on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I do this without even anyone on the call. Sometimes I just sit and talk to myself. 
Safe yeah, as fuck great on Mullard, man. <laughs> I like he goes, all right, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that a Welsh thing or is he just saying, all right, but? Yeah, it's yeah, that's a Welsh thing. Yeah. I think that's why I like, oh, I like this scene so much. Like, you have is my favourite scene, I think. Um, yeah, it's just kind of like a bit of nostalgia from home, hearing the word, but. Oh, for sure. Uh, I've never heard that before. I did. I thought he was just talking about his bum. <laughs> Come on, John. I know, for real. I was just like, that's a weird thing to say, but they're fucked, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's a... Well, a lot of people Shame might me. not know, to be fair. For any uh, American <laughs> listeners, they won't know that bet is a, is a Welsh thing. Uh, I live 30 miles you from you Wales right and I don't store. know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I bet. <laughs> oh, yeah. So next we cut to everybody minting on the dance floor. Nothing really happens for a while now. This is your kind of glory shots of what the film is about. Mm. People chewing, lights flashing, people throwing fucking shapes while the DJ is scratching that fucking hella sweet board, boys. (laughs) Uh, The only comment I did have is Chloe was watching this with me, although begrudgingly, and she looked up at me at this point and went... I can smell what it's like in there. <laughs> Very true. I, I also know what the f- floors feel like underneath yeah. my feet. Every time you move, it sort of Velcros against you. <laughs> Is it um, Andrew Lincoln's character's wearing a leather jacket as well? What kind of fucking maniac yeah. wears a leather jacket at a rave? It's 40 fucking degrees. Everybody's dancing and this guy's... Re- anyway, moving. The BBC are in the club <laughs> and for some reason, they're doing an interview with Lulu and Nina about the drug scene. I didn't like this bit. I thought the basically that would be your worst nightmare. Imagine going on a night out and then you'd see some TV cameras. <laughs> I mean, any any. Ca- I mean, it's bad enough nowadays, like phones and stuff. But fucking TV camera. That, mm. Yeah, a bit, but it's sort of. I'll get into it at the end when we do sort of like a roundup. But it sort of plays into this sort of we take drugs, aren't we? Cool thing that they just fucking hammer on about and. The, the whole reason that they say in this thing, I know it's it, it's a bit tongue in cheek anyway, but they're saying the whole reason we go is to get mashed up, and I don't I don't know if that's kind of the reason that people do go to maybe then because it was like the chemical generation, but it's it's not really so much that now. I think people actually go to watch the DJs or the the night that they want to see. Am I right? Depends where you are. Yeah. This interview. Well, I think what they're doing here is. Because she ends this by saying bloody piss takers. They are playing into everything that that interviewer kind of wants to hear about people doing drugs. But because they're doing it so literally, she can't use it for that footage because it's very clear that they're taking the piss. I don't think they really meant any of that. No. But I think that's... But they could have also said that at any point in in the film and it would have slotted in. Because the whole yeah the whole film's about them being like oh we love taking drugs it's the all we like to do at the weekends and I, I don't know it just, I just felt it wore a bit thin but well I think that this is the most unrepresentative bit of that kind of lifestyle I guess yeah because if you did have a camera in front of you and you're on drugs you wouldn't be able to be that sort of tongue in cheek about it you would <laughs> wouldn't be able to be focus all, on you'd be anyone. exactly the kind of thing that that interviewer would come to the club to see yeah but hey the BBCA this is a British movie mm. we had to be reminded for a moment <laughs> so now everybody's sitting on the couch couch sofa in the club uh, which i love that they all have and again is a big memory for me the horrible sort of sticky oh. never a leather leather sofa it's always a a material one that you don't want to be absorbing all the stuff from <laughs> other people but it is and jip is telling lulu that he's sexually paranoid mm. yeah um, why were they able to speak to each other it should be like a loud club like every club i've been to with seating areas you're shouting at each other 
Yeah, I inside, wish there'd be more. Yeah. I wish there would be actual more places where you could have a conversation like that, but it didn't seem realistic to me. I think those are bars, right? Oh, mate. I don't go to bars. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's a bit where they're talking, it's um, in Andrew Lincoln, I can't remember his name, Dubs, whatever it's called, talking to that other girl. I don't know if that's this bit. because there's, I think it's around here. It's yeah, yeah everybody sort of sat bit, down at this point. That bit where they're talking about like the club's how they didn't used to be as good as they used to be, how everyone's not as nice as they used to be, the music's not the same, the culture's been like yeah. subverted for other people's like to act cool. That again is another thing that you hear all the fucking time and that I have definitely said. <laughs> I was gonna say, is that us? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really liked when uh Andrew Lincoln's character was, was kind of like like you said, saying I everyone was used to be so nice and then the guy sits down next to him. And he reacts very unfavorably to him. Like, the fuck are you doing? Watch you out. Watch yeah, you easy, mate. <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's just not as nice as each other. Fuck off, you cunt. <laughs> well, this film is very much a commentary on how we all think we go have these special, unique nights out or have these singular experiences when yeah. very much it's just the sort of shared zeitgeist of going out. That's it. Everybody, it's a repeat all the time. Even time-wise, you know, these things, like you said, with the, the clothes, the things you say on the nights out about the music, it all comes back around in the end, so yeah. it's kind of meaningless. And even the scene where Jip is talking to Lulu about his sexual paranoia, although I've not had, had that exact conversation, <laughs> where you're pinging off your fucking mind and you think, yes, now is the best chance I'll have to tell this person something really embarrassing about myself. And you think it's a great idea at the time. And then the next day, you can't even remember that exact thing. All you wake up with is that feeling of, oh shit, I, I did or said something I shouldn't have. And you work your way through the night slowly until you get to the thing that's like, ah, yeah, there it is. I I regret that. <laughs> yeah. They, they had that other, like, uh, sort of, I can't it's like another like meta scene where they're talking about the feeling of ecstasy as well where it's in like this big white room and he's like taking you through all the the things yeah I mean it's again I'm gonna say what I said a minute ago I just it was really fucking hammering that nail about how good drugs are how much they love drugs and yeah they're good but I don't know if it's like that good (laughs) it's not about the drug it's about the friends they made along the way (laughs) exactly yeah it's about the people you do drugs with. <laughs> yeah. So this is another scene coming up now that you boys didn't have notes for, but it really struck a chord with me. But it does have Lee in it, so everybody try and remember who Lee is. <laughs> uh, Nina's, like, sat in the smoking area outside talking to some random person, and Lee walks past, and she says goodbye to him. Uh, and no, they're saying goodbye to each other, yeah. But then some other people, who people we haven't met, sort of make their way past Lee and say goodbye to him and they're like, oh yeah, see you later, you're going to come round and join us, yeah, sick one, nice to meet you. And he's really friendly with them. And then Nina says, who, who, the, fuck, who the fuck are those fucking druggos? And not funny <laughs> on its own, but really reminiscent to me where even though you're, when you go to a house party and you meet a friend of a friend, you immediately assume the other person doing drugs you don't know there is a piece of shit because you can't possibly <laughs> trust them, when really they're ex- the exact same as you <laughs> it was the junglist from earlier yeah yes yeah, yes yeah, yeah, that was it and then yeah she's like who the fuck are they who are those? <laughs> trying to take my friend from me 
It's, she's they like, do drugs with me, not with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she's, her brother's not going to do drugs with her. Do you know why? Because she fucking abandoned him immediately. <laughs> like, oh, wait, he's gone to found... He's found some friends, has he? Who are those fucking idiots? <laughs> fucking who are they? I want him to sit in the corner on his own having a fucking panic attack. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> well, now everyone's finished up at the club and we do some very safe drug driving to a house party in the middle of nowhere. That house party they go to, oh, mm-hmm. looks like a frat house. It looks sick. It, it looks does, better than yeah. the rave. Yeah. It looks so cool. I wonder if what the sound's like. Um, yeah. That's the only thing I was thinking. But yeah. that's just I bet me. the acoustics are off. I did really like how they, like, as they were entering the house, uh, they kind of like more than one character talk to the camera, like directly at you, like you were being invited in. I thought that was quite cool. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, they break the fourth wall a lot in this. This always very quintessential of the house party of, as well. Because, like, the kind of the heart of all this going on is the kitchen where people are talking the most fucking nonsense. Like, Moff is in there talking to that random guy. And, and it, very on purpose, that, that being a random guy, because it'd always be someone you don't know you're fucking chewing. Johnny, here we go again. Chewing the year <laughs> yeah. off. I like how that bit in this whole next sequence where this, this section where the house party. It's Moff and that same guy in the same spot all night and it, everyone else yeah. is going off and doing other little bits and he's there talking about how Star Wars is uh, like an allegory for drug culture. Yes, yeah. yeah. How yeah, the Emperor's a, the yeah. biggest crackhead and he's only gone and built his own planet. It <laughs> 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 was so good. That was cracking me up. And as it goes on and on, they're just getting more and more spangled and they're just like making less and less sense. And it's... Yeah, until eventually Moth gives up trying to speak because he can't get the thoughts out anymore, so he just says, fuck it. (laughs) I'm going to jump ahead to it a bit. It's it's part of that same thing. He says, the Emperor wants to control outer space. Yoda wants to explore inner space. That's the fundamental differences between good and bad sides of the Force. And then the, the other guy's like, oh my god, what, what? And he's just like, I don't know where it comes from sometimes, it scares me. <laughs> Honestly, there's a few bits of this that properly made me cackle. It was so yeah, funny. Yeah, that's really good. Well, another bleak insight into a position I'm sure we've all been in, because now we cut to Jip and Coop on that classic black sofa, and they're down on the always a black wood table with a layer of glass on the top and they're cutting some lines of coke on there and why this again struck a chord with me and i said this boys to you in the chat because it's where you're a few lines of coke in and you're thinking you're really emotional people and somebody says something really real and serious and the only thing that you're inspired to do in that moment is put your fucking sweaty arm around them (laughs) and comfort them that you're another human being also going through the kind of troubles that they're going through. But then there's another part of you, isn't there? There's the part of you, the other eye, who's looking at the line (laughs) on the table and you're like... He's been cutting those for a bit of a while now, hasn't he? How long is he going to talk about his dad for? All I could see was him just chopping those lines for so long, just taking a little bit off one and putting it in the other, and then like yeah, just them, fucking moving them about it around again and stuff. Oh man, it was. I hated this scene. I don't know if anyone else noticed, but I think it was one of them was chewing gum throughout, and it was just the sound of the gum. Was yes. So bad. Yeah. On purpose, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And y- you can hear that it's not even chewing right anymore. There's no moisture in it. Yeah. It's just sticking it's to the, the bottom tooth and the top oh. tooth. And Okay, maybe I'll cut this out because it's not very listener-friendly. But at subtones in Cheltenham, 
I chewed gum so much that it got stuck to my lips like lipstick and I couldn't get it off. Uh, but luckily we were leaving the club soon. And on the way out, the bouncer stopped me and said, uh, I think you better stop doing drugs, mate. And I said, you're about two hours too late. And walked past him. Um, he was so astounded by my confidence because I'm this weedy little fucking guy and he was a massive fucking bloke. That he just chuckled and let me pass. I finished my drink outside and left. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. (laughs) So now another... Well, this is all just moments I remember from my own life. But now Nina and Lulu are out on the balcony and she is confidently telling her that you're my best friend. And regardless of who it is out there with me at that time of (laughs) night, you're telling them that they're your best friend, aren't you? It's the only thing you can think of other than put your arm around them. (laughs) You know, you're my best friend, you are. I love you. (laughs) I'll do anything for you. And now we get another great sequence. Uh, It's the spiff, spliff (laughs) politics. I don't know quite how to describe this well. Does one of you want to give it a go? Because it's quite an intricate sort of description of the politics of who's waiting for the spliff. So it's it's a bit where there's it's getting towards the end of the night and everyone's yeah. wanting like thinking about going to bed and it's when everyone someone's starting to roll a spliff and everyone's sort of like got their eye on it and it's got the guy in the middle who's I think it's one of the guys from earlier, isn't it? It's one of the junglist guys. Could be. I think so anyway. Um and Andrew Lincoln is sat next to him. He's the mate of the guy in the middle. And this other guy's trying to get some off the spliff from the guy who's rolling it. And it's all about how long he's trying to like engage in conversation with this guy for so that he gets the next hit on the spliff. But then Andrew Lincoln's like sweating because he's like, that's my mate. I deserve next on that spliff. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like trying to interject to try and like grab the guy's attention back away. It's like he's using all his best anecdotes and he's doing all of this stuff. And then the girl is Trixie from earlier, right? The, the drug dealer. Yeah. Yes, she like yeah. comes from behind and she's like, oh, give us a bit of that. And they're both just like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you perfectly summed that up. Thank you, Johnny. That was very succinct. Again, I'm sure we've all been there. Yeah. yeah. There's that bit as well where they're, um, again, it jumps back to um, Jip and what's his face? Uh, Coop. Coop. Fucking hell. Yeah, where they're, they're like, Look at your eyes, mate. You're fucked. You're fucked, mate. Yeah. Look at your eyes. It's like, nah, nah, I'm alright. I'm alright. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Look at me. Let's have look, a little I'm slap. Fine. fine. Yeah. And then they both look at each other and like, Mrr. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. I remember you doing that at Reading, Dan. <laughs> dropping them straight in the shit. <laughs> Allegedly. Saying that to me, obviously. So now we're rolling into everyone really coming down. It's that part of the night where you're getting cold and you can't really do conversation anymore. Your mouth is dry and you're smoking so many cigarettes that you're starting to feel sick. Some people will try to go to sleep, but you're worryingly aware of every movement in your mouth and all the contact your tongue makes with the back of your teeth, worrying if you're pushing too hard and that you might wake up in the morning with your teeth facing outwards. Uh, Maybe that's just me, I don't know. But then you try and find a centre place in your mouth where your tongue can rest and you're like, can I subconsciously hover my tongue in the middle of my mouth all night? I don't know, I'll just do it until I fall asleep. And then you fall asleep. <laughs> it's a good a... insight into your brain, ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is where Chloe quite rightly suggested that the cat should have come out because that's a good that's a good uh, bridge between doing Mandy and going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> 
Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> this is where Moff is now uh, desperately trying to act normal as he's coming down a bit quicker than everyone else. He's doing what I said earlier. He's shivering his arms and touching... His hands are touching the points of his elbows, <laughs> just trying to stay in human form whilst everyone else is quite seemingly having an easy conversation, which is always your worry when you're the person coming down, is that, God, everybody else is managing to be so normal. Mm. Thankfully, the, the night is ending now because uh, Jip and Lulu try and go have sex somewhere we don't have to labor on this too much but he still can't get it up because of the pills moth goes home <laughs> for some reason hasn't gone to bed and tried to hover his tongue in the middle of his mouth instead he he turns on the fan pulls out some magazines and tries to do a naked wank whilst in the on his knees on the floor of his bedroom I think it's now 11am and quite rightly his mum walks in with some breakfast for him and sees all this happening (laughs) and she comes out of the room laughing. A harrowing scene. None of us want this. Is this before or after? At some point it cuts away and he's like, it's the voice of reality. Oh, it's Um, Joe Brand, isn't it? It's Joe Brand, yeah. Yeah. I I was like, who's that voice? I looked it up afterwards. Yeah, Yeah, Joe Brand. Time to knock the drugs on the head, she says. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is that when he's coming down? Yeah, yeah that's when they... Because they leave, they leave the thing and they go back to, I'm guessing, Jip's house. And they're all having a good yeah. time. And that's where he's, like, having a bit of a moment to himself. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just jumping back. The song that is playing when they're driving back and everyone's, like, passed out. I mean, A, they shouldn't be driving for, again. No. <laughs> <laughs> but the song that's playing, that Orbital song. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, that's the, that's one, one, of, got one of the two songs. Belfast. Is it Belfast? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Belfast. One of the two songs I immediately downloaded off Spotify after this film. Nice. That Belfast song. Such a tune. That song is so good. Timeless. Yeah. Well, now everybody has a really horrible Sunday lunch with their families. <laughs> uh, probably worst off Moth because his mum's just seen him wanking and his family <laughs> spent the entire time talking about how awful kids who do drugs are and he is still coming down and his horrible fucking nan is sat across from him fucking almost losing her fake teeth as she's spitting pure evil. Got no respect. I didn't enjoy that. Yeah. No <laughs> respect. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he still had a bono, considering when he jumps up, just go back to that bonus scene, because clearly I'm fascinated by it. He's still got a massive rod on. Yeah. He actually had a boner in that scene as well. Chloe pointed it out. Yeah. He actually had a boner! <laughs> Not that she sounds like that. That was the Green Goblin. I don't know why those were equated in that moment, but... <laughs> Uh, I liked uh, Lulu's bit where she's, I think, I'm guessing, I think she's with her aunt, aunt and uncle or something. And one of them's like a priest and she's saying what she did. She's like, oh, we went out, we went to a uh, to a, a club and then we had some drinks and stuff. And it has like subtitles of what she's actually meaning, like underneath. It's like, well, he wasn't drinking, was he? It's like, no, strictly class A's and stuff <laughs> yeah. like underneath. I, was, I thought that was really funny. Also, why are Danny Dyer's parents, I'm not going to call him by his... Um name in the film but why are his parents really like posh and he's so cockney other than that's just who he is and he couldn't be bothered to put to not play himself (laughs) (laughs) Danny Dyer plays himself in everything also my notes this this point in my notes I noticed that the main character's name was Jip it was at this (laughs) this point point (laughs) (laughs) we're at the end of the movie mate I know (laughs) To be honest, I'm not surprised because that is a nonsense name. What the fuck? I'm uh, desperately trying awful. to find out what, rack my brain as to what that could be short for. You can't say it. Jippy, wasn't it? Jippy. <laughs> Jippy boy. <laughs> I don't know. 
know. Well, after dinner, they all meet up at the pub for some liveners to get back up again. And also, we get here the classic, I'm never doing drugs again. Especially Moff, he's convinced that he'll he'll never take a pill or drink again. But mm. uh, we know, we know that that's not true. Yeah. It always comes back round, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, it could be one one or two more good pills and that would be me done, is what he says. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all felt like that. He said goodnight Vienna, which yeah. just brought me back to, yeah, just what my dad used to say and all his mates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the movie rounds off with a little kiss on Cardiff High Street between um, Jip and, ah, oh, who gives a fuck, the other girl in this movie. Lulu. Yeah. Yeah. Really? yeah. Uh, the only note I have here is that I know exactly where that takes place because there's a Greg's on the corner. That's I was going to mention the St. Mary's Church. <laughs> yeah, and that Greg's is still there, albeit with updated branding, but it is. You can go to that corner and get a fucking sausage roll. They're already telling each other that they love each other. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's, it's sweet, but come on. <laughs> come on. It's been one night yeah. out. <laughs> I think the thing is that they were meant to have loved each other for a long time or whatever, without knowing. But it's either that or he's just fallen in love with the first girl that managed to get his cock up after a while. Well, that is his story arc. <laughs> She's the one. I love her. <laughs> well, yeah, that is the only character arc we get in this is that a guy could not get a boner and at the end of the movie can get a boner. <laughs> Movie done. <laughs> if that's not stakes, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings us to the question of the pod. And to alleviate any confusion of who I'm going to and when, I'm going to go Ryan, Dan, Johnny. Ryan. So, you think that was good, do you? It was okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well... It was alright, you know, like, I, I, it, was, it wasn't it was as good as I remember, but then also, like, when you go back on it, there were some really good scenes. I kind of got bored of it a bit after a while. That's never good. Mate, I don't watch a lot of films, to be honest with you. Like, I get bored of things quite easy. <laughs> I do know what you mean, though. It does, it does drag on at, like, at the two-thirds mark. I, I was kind of a bit done with it, but, yeah. What about you, Dan? I actually really loved this film. Like, yeah, it was... Probably better than I remember it being. Um, I really liked, as I've discussed, the cinematography of the film. Like some of the scenes are just pretty iconic, and they've like lasted the test of time, haven't they? Like we can all quote a few of those yeah. scenes. Yeah. Um, character development and, and the plot was was a bit missing, but overall, I really enjoyed it. Mm. And Johnny, well, I both really like this film and fucking hate it and i couldn't properly like eloquently say how i thought so what i did is i went onto letterbox and i found two reviews that perfectly demonstrate how i feel <sighs> beautiful so i found a half a star one by john gibb and it goes <laughs> dire a catalogue of friday night's pills and powder intake does not make a movie nor do five endlessly self-justifying bores constantly winking and nudging and screaming and sledgehammering the viewer with, this is what it feels like when you're on drugs. This is exactly how it feels like when you're on drugs. Am I right? Am I right? That, that has the gall to reference train spotting, an immensely superior film um, which throws its own failings into almost comic relief, is just one of the many artistic decisions that di director and creator 
Justin Kerrigan's part, which completely baffles me. I've had come downs that were more pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> but then there was a, a four and a half star one that says, if Spike Lee was part of the chemical generation, he would easily make a film like this. In fact, it was hard not to think about Spike Lee when watching it. The cheeky narrations, the people moving shots, human caricatures are constantly in your face. It's all there with a crazy good soundtrack to boot. It's an absolute fucking blast. Hard to not enjoy it if you could care less about an actual plot because this feels like a very good document of a whole era defined by subculture. What a beautiful review. Yeah, that's good. So it's, it's both. I agree with both of those reviews. <laughs> it's now very hard to make a final point without touching on things you boys have already said, so I'm just going to do that. I agree, the cinematography was great, Dan. Great directorial choices in this. Great cast. I There isn't a movie here. There is no need for this to be made a movie. This is a series of quotable lines and things you can relate to. But having said those things, I did enjoy this. I, I came into this not thinking I was going to. I didn't think this would be my cup of tea at all. But I will watch this again outside the pod and just try to enjoy it for what it was. Definitely, yeah. So thank you, boys. For, thank you. For, Bring me to this. Thank you. And whilst we're bloody doing thank yous, thank you boys for joining me. I've had a great time. I hope you all have too. Yeah. As always. That's what you all say yes, audibly. I'm a bit like. (laughs) Yeah, nice. Yeah, mate. Well, thank you again. And thank you all for listening. I am now panicking because I didn't prepare what I was going to say at the end and I have absolutely no idea what I'll be doing next week. So keep an eye out on my socials at So You Think Pod on Twitter and Instagram to find out what they might be. Desperately looking at Johnny here for him to confirm that he will join me again so you don't have to put up with me alone. Until then, goodbye. Nice one, brother. Nice one. Nice one, brother. Thank you.